What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode here of the Side Guys Football Forum. I'm one of your co-hosts, Norman the Side, joined as always by my good friend, my good buddy, the other half of the Side Guys, with Ted Sai. And Ted, we did our last episode before the Combine started, but this episode, as of recording, Combine has, you know, at least the practices, like the actual Combine position drills, have happened now. I've started to begin. Uh, we're seeing lots of, you know, reactions to some 40 times. Uh, your boy! Nate Wiggins, who you talked about. Man, I said maybe. I said maybe 4-3, and he broke that. Yeah, that was pretty insane. Uh, We also had Chop Robinson, defensive end from Penn State. He posted a 4.59, if I remember correctly. And Mm -hmm. it was the first time that's happened for a player over 250 pounds since 2009, I think I want to say. It might have been 2008. But it's the year that Vernon Dra- uh, Davis got drafted because it was Vernon Davis who lasted that. So. Well, and what the surprising thing 2006, is? 2006, my mistake. 2006. 2000. Oh, God, we're old. Yeah, that was a long time we ago. We are yeah. so old, dude. <laughs> but, you know. I'm remembering that- now because I was like, 2008 was Kentwell Barber for the Niners. 2009 was Michael Crabtree for the Niners. 2006. So it was a little bit earlier than that. So It was something like Sporting News or uh, Bleacher Report or somebody like that did a series on Twitter where it was like, here's what your favorite NFL player, you know, ran in the 40. And uh, Micah Parsons ran like a four, you know, four, four, five or something insane like that. And I was like, how did I not call Micah Parsons being that good? I remember because I was like, oh, that's right. I didn't know if he was an edge rusher or an inside linebacker. And that's why I kind of dropped him. And I'm like, who knew he could be amazing at both? I hate the Cowboys so much. Very, very true. And yeah, so lots of fun with all the 40-yard dashes and Braden Fist, the defensive tackle out of Florida State, who's a killing it in his position drills as well, also posted a very good 40 time. So we've been seeing a lot of things that have been good so far through the first two days of combine practice drills. We got the big show on Saturday. As of recording, it is still Friday, but tomorrow when this drops, you'll be watching probably the quarterbacks, the running backs, and receivers all on Saturday. So I mean, that should be a lot of fun for sure and you can uh, we, bet I don't know, by the Tad, way if you saw it so i don't know if you saw it on social media but there's those clips of michael Penix jr and jj mccarthy throwing in like the lobby of the hotel where oh, they're just like that's a pr <laughs> thing this is the same mm, i shouldn't say this i'm gonna say it this is the same thing as him meditating in the and uh in the end zone before the yeah. games where it's just like it's okay i'm sure there's some truth to it i'm not gonna say like it's all fake but at a certain point it is kind of for pr a little bit, a little bit, but it was still kind of cool to see that, that they were just doing it just out the lobby, just not had to do it on the practice mm. field or whatever. But yeah, so had lots of fun so far with some of these drills so far. I haven't dove into the actual footage just yet. I'm I have not yet everything. I, I work, so I unfortunately can't watch it live. So that's why I kind of recorded both the UV buddy. Uh, so yeah, recording it, probably get into it a lot this weekend for sure. Oh, but there yeah, is, there is for sure a Desai Guys combine reaction episode coming your way in about roughly like 
like three or four days. I can yeah, guarantee exactly, that. Exactly. So yeah, that's sort of a teaser that we're not going to be doing any combine stuff in today's episode. But yeah, we're going to be getting into some other topics for sure. But yes, 100% like Tad said, we'll get into some combine stuff after it is all said and done. Give you some of our favorites, just some reactions, everything and anything when it comes to the combine. We'll give you that episode after it's all concluded. But Tad, before we get into today's topics, we definitely, you know, we're talking about the 40-yard uh, dash as far as that. Uh, but our good friends at Underdog Fantasy, you can actually make some bets on the 40-yard dash. I don't really? know if you saw this, but yeah, you can pick I did some not. of these guys. Oh, damn and it. they gave you a time. Damn it. I would have won that Nate Wiggins bet. <laughs> you damn it. You exactly could have. So yeah, you can play some over and under bets on all the 40-yard types. Well, okay, not all of them, but some yeah, of the more bigger-name players, them. obviously. Exactly. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. You could also see, I don't know if you saw this as well, Tab, but at the very end, you could do MLB season bets. So it's like they had Freddie Freeman over under 92 and a half RBIs. I feel like that's a given for Ooh. sure Raul Acuna I think it was like over under 40 stolen bases so I was just like you got some season long bets as well instead of going game to game because yeah underdog fantasy they're catering to your needs they want you to get into the action I mean it's really easy to get into the action you make anywhere between two to five different prop picks uh prop picks and the more picks you make the more potential money you can win and I mean like we're sort of talking about here you can bet on the 40 yard times you can bet on the MLB entire season once the games actually start for MLB you can bet on the games in individually uh you got the nba action going on right now nhl mma college basketball both the men's and the women's i mean you name it you could bet on it you just got to make anywhere like i said between two and five different picks across all sports whatever you think you're more comfortable with um and yeah as you make more pits you make more money there and Underdog wants you to get into the action, so they gave us a great promo code to share with you here. Just use our promo code DESAI, D-E-S-A-I. Double up on your initial deposit of $10 or more, up to $500. So, I mean, theoretically, Tad, if you were to put in $500, Underdog will match that dollar for dollar to give you $1,000 worth of betting credit on their platform. Hold on. Time out. Hold on. 500 plus 500. Carry the five. Divide by two. They're going to give you $1,000? It's crazy, right? That's, That's how great insane. this promo code is. It only works on your initial deposit. We should clarify that your first or initial deposit up to t- uh, up to $500 minimum of $10 and yeah, they'll double it dollar for dollar for however much you can put in. Use that promo code DESAI, DESAI to take advantage of that offer. So I mean, yeah, with the uh, with the combine still going on for a couple of days, you can still bet on those 40-yard times with the all the quarterbacks, running backs, receivers. And if you want to, get into some fun with some of those old linemen doing their 40s as well because oh, that's happening on Sunday. <laughs> Over under, will we get – oh, this is a good one. Underdog, I hope you're listening. Over under, will we get an over – I guess under, this is a little tough. Will a lineman run slower than a 5'5"? Five, five? Yeah, that might be on there. That might be on there. We will see. But yeah, so check it all the action. Get into the action with Underdog Fantasy because yeah, it's a ton of fun to bet on the combine and anything else because they got you covered there. So Tad, we're going to get it into today's episode here. We got a lot of topics that we want to get to. So we're going to bring back an old segment of ours that we love dearly and dearly. And that is NFL Quick Hits. All right, so let's get into the first topic here, Tad. Unfortunately, we didn't get time to get to this a little bit sooner, but we definitely wanted to highlight it. Uh, the HBCU Legacy Bowl, that happened. I had to do my two- stretches first. You talk while I stretch. 
<laughs> this happened about two weekends ago. It was the third annual HBC Legacy Bowl. We're getting a lot more attention for this. Uh, the broadcasters, we had Steve Weish as the play-by-play -play guy, uh, Charles Davis, and Bucky Brooks as the color commentator guy. So all African-American uh, broadcast team there. It was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, they were saying that as we sort of getting more notoriety for the Legacy Bowl, we're getting better and better prospects from these HBCU uh, schools. And so, yeah, we got a lot of great talent. Unfortunately, watching the game, it was just, it was a very defensive favorite game. I mean, just the quarterback play was not all that great. Um, actually, there's one quarterback that played really well, but there was something that happened that led to Dude, sort we're of not, We're not talking about the Senior Bowl here. We're talking about the <laughs> HBCU Bowl. I know, I know. But yeah, the defense was really coming out to play there. So, I mean, they were really good. Um, yeah, the offense just weren't able to get anything going too much there. But yeah, so the final score of this game, Ted, Team Gaither defeated Team Robinson. Final score was 10 to 6. It was a very like good Like I said, game. we're not talking about the Senior Bowl. Why do you keep bringing that up? Um, just in case you don't know, the two teams are named after famous HBCU uh, uh, coaches. We got Jake Gaither. That's why we got Team Gaither. And Eddie Robinson is the team for Team Robinson there. So, fortunately, both of them have already passed away. So, that is in memoriam for both of those two coaches, obviously. Um, yeah, it was a great game. I think, just like I said, very defensive heavy. You did get some flashes from a few players there. Uh, Tad, I know you were pretty busy that weekend that the game happened, but did you get a chance to see it, see some highlights? I mean, what were your overall impressions of the game? That was a recorded watch back for me. Yeah, um, yeah I'm not going to pretend like I watched it live. Obviously, we did not. Any bowl <laughs> game when it comes to draft, if we watch it live, we're doing a live stream. Trust us. True. Um, no, you know, I... I uh, this, if I'm not mistaken, this is the third straight year of the HBCU mm -hmm. since yep, it was established, and um, I like it because for this very reason is they are a lot of these guys are coming from smaller colleges, and to my knowledge so far, no one on this roster has been invited to the NFL Combine. I don't think so, if I remember correctly. I'd have to double check that uh, that one for sure. But yeah, unfortunately, it just you know just doesn't get that same translation into the NFL Combine and more national attention. But yeah, it's a great week. I mean, they got the whole practice week just like the Senior Bowl. They also have their own specific Combine as well. So they all go through the same Combine that we're talking about here on the national level. They get their own individual Combine as well to do the position drills as well. So it's a really good week, like you said, to bring attention to these HBCU schools here. Some smaller schools that may not get as much attention during the season that, yeah, you got a chance to showcase your skills here. Exactly that is is look, let's be realistic here. A lot of these guys are not going to get drafted, but a lot of these guys play themselves into position to be sure. priority on drafted free agents, mm -hmm. which, you know, some people may be like, oh, well, you know, like what's what's the you know, value in that? There's a lot of value in that of it just takes one play. I'm going to touch on this. He wasn't going to be my second guy. Should I lead off with him? Yeah, let's do it. Let's all do right, it. let's do it. So I'll, 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 I'll lead off. And this is a perfect example why these bowl games matter. Because I was asked by a friend of like, you know, when he, he asked me, I, I kind of told him, I was like, no, no, no I'm, I'm recording an episode tonight. I you know can't go out. And he was like, well, what are you talking about? I'm like, it's the HBCU bowl. He was like, that's a thing. And then he asked me, you know, why do you cover it? And this is why we cover it is because I watch and I'll admit I kind of fast forwarded. I did the, you know, when you listen to podcasts and do like the speed and a half. Thing. Sure. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Yeah, I basically did that for the second half. But sure. there's what? But this is the beauty 
of bowl games like this, of, you know, uh, showcases like this, is there was one play, one play where I was like, whoa, 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 that looked good. I paused it, I rewound it, and then I played it again, you know, at normal speed. I'm like, ooh, this guy's interesting. I'm not joking. It took me 45 minutes to track down who this guy was. His name is Ian Wheeler. Ooh, Ian Wheeler. I like this name. Ian yeah. Wheeler, a running back of Howard. He is 5'11", 205 pounds. He only really had one good play in the fourth down or uh, fourth quarter where he took a handoff in the, uh, you know, in the shotgun and he just like, just looked kind of the way he was running. I was like, Ooh, Ooh. Okay. Okay. I see it was about 12 yard run for a first down, but still I was like in his own territory, by the way. And I was like, okay, I like this. And, and the only clues I had was in my journalism background was he was number 27. He was playing for what, which team was wearing green. Uh, that was Team uh, Robinson, I believe. There you go. So he was playing for Team Robinson. That's the only clue I had. Sure. So I had to track him down. It actually took more work than I thought. But he impressed me so much with that one run. I was like, I need to watch more of this guy. And you know what ended up happening? Is I ended up looking up his college stats. I'll get into that a bit. I ended up looking up looking him up on YouTube. And, you know, that's the, this is the unfortunate case with a lot of these guys is just the common man looks him up or yeah because people think like scouts just automatically be like hey send me this video and all of a sudden they get the that doesn't always happen scouts do the same thing a lot of us do where they look him up on youtube and if they impress great if they don't then they move on it's not worth their time scouts are busy so what's the first results when you look up ian wheeler howard is a 60-yard run against Delaware State. I watched that one video. I'm like, I love this guy. Like, he's awesome. And it's just the the way he is a natural runner, Just you can just tell the way he understands the game and the way to avoid tackles. He's just, and that's why I use that word, he's just natural. He has the it factor that you just can just tell. And, and he reminds me a lot of Kareem Hunt. Where it's just like, how did you not go down there? And I promise it's not It's not just because they both wear the number 27. He just somehow is so elusive and everything. And this is the craziest thing. So then I looked up his stats, his college stats, right? His career, he has not reached 1,200 rushing yards. Not great. But a lot of these HBCU guys have underwhelming stats. Here's the funny thing I noticed. Because everything else underwhelmed when it came to his stats, except for ever since he took the majority of the snaps for his team, he's never averaged less than five yards per carry. That's fair. That's a, that's a really good stat to bring up. I never would have recognized this if it weren't for that one play. Yeah. That one play. And that is why I love the draft process. It's like, if you take advantage of that one opportunity, you get discovered. I'm not saying this guy's going to get drafted, although he could be. It wouldn't shock me if he was a little sixth or seventh round pick. But I am telling you, look out for this Howard running back, Ian Wheeler. Bookmark it. <laughs> no, I really like Ian Wheeler because, yeah, when I was watching the game too, like outside of just like that big play of the fourth quarter, just overall, I just liked his running style. It seemed like that's what I mean, right? Where... It's just the way it, you can just tell the way he feels the game. 
it seemed at times that he was also going to get stopped by the defense, but then he find a way to just slip away and then gain extra yardage. It seemed like a physical running back as well. And the one thing as well, Tad, is that he was a very versatile playmaker back in his time at Howard. So not only was he a running back for them, but he also was a receiver and a kick returner as well. So he was getting a lot of all-purpose yards for that team. So like you said, maybe he won't get drafted, but I mean, he will find a spot on a practice squad, possibly even an active roster because he's willing to do everything. So I mean, yeah, I really hope that Phil uh, Ian Wheeler gets a shot with a team there because yeah, I think he's got a lot of talent to bring to an NFL squad. Um, I brought this up earlier. The quarterback play wasn't all that great because unfortunately this quarterback got hurt on the very first drive of the game. And that is Davius Richards, the quarterback out of North Carolina Central. I mean, he was the 2023 Deacon Jones Trophy winner, which is awarded to the Black College Football Player of the Year. So all of the HBCUs, he is the player of the year out of all of them. He shared the honor with a fellow quarterback who played in this game as well, Jeremy Busa from Florida A&M. But just, yeah. Look at these career stats, Tad. 8,968 passing yards, 73 touchdowns, 29 interceptions, 2,575 rushing rushing yards, and 44 rushing touchdowns. I mean, the guy was clearly like a one-man show back during his days at North Carolina Central. And he looked exactly like that in their very opening drive in this HBCU Legacy Bowl. He looked fantastic. He had a couple nice throws. He was hitting his receivers in stride. He was doing the RPO action. That's how he scored the touchdown but unfortunately that's also how he got hurt he scrambled into the touchdown he just got wrapped up just unfortunately a little too wrong he rolled his ankle they took him out of the game very quickly we weren't able to determine the severity of the injury but just yeah he had to leave right after that game he got had a very successful drive and with that drive tad like we sort of talked about just overall the play on offense was not all that great Davies Richards ended up being the offensive player of the game because he was probably the best-looking prospect in this game, even though he only played in one drive. And so he has a chance to be the first quarterback to be drafted from HBCU in over 18 years. The very last HBCU quarterback to be drafted. We brought this name up before during the trivia uh, episode that we did with you, Tad. Tavares Jackson was the mm. last HBCU quarterback to be drafted. Alabama State. Out of what? Alabama State. That is exactly a school. Very good on you. Nice on there. Do you remember which round you went in? Oh, fuck. Um, <laughs> oh, come on. You can't just give me the win. Yeah, well, it's still impressive. I'm giving you that. I didn't realize you'd get me Alabama State there, okay. but just, yeah. Do I get bonus points if I can say the mascot? <laughs> sure, why not? Jaguars? I have no idea what the uh, Jaguars I'm on it. I'm on it. Uh, all right. Uh, Six, six round? No, he was a second oh, round. What? He, he was number 64 overall out of Is Alabama. he at least drafted by the Vikings? I believe he was drafted oh, by the Vikings. Oh, thank God. Okay, at least but I yeah, get that. He was the last quarterback to be drafted by from an HBCU school. And so, yeah, hopefully this guy, Davies Richards, can be drafted some point during the draft because, yeah, I think he's got a lot of talent. He showcased it in that one drive that he had. Hope I really wish he could have played more. We could have seen a lot more from him in that game. But just, yeah, he unfortunately got hurt. So, yeah, had to go out in that game there. All right, I was close with the Jaguars. These are both animals that hurt people. <laughs> Apparently, they are the Alabama State Hornets. However, Hornets. Okay. however, you get bitten by a Jaguar, you get stung by a Hornet, they both hurt. Oh, 100%. 100%. The degrees of hurt are different, but that doesn't matter. I still think Jaguars should count. That's I hate fair. you. That's fair. 
<laughs> uh, Ted, the only other guy that I want to get into here is Zarion Hayes. He was the defensive yep. player of the game as well. I mean, my lord, did this guy look amazing in this game. Because at first, I like I said, I attributed it more to like, you know, maybe the offensive line was not picking up their schemes as well. They just weren't picking up defensive linemen. So I was like, okay, I think this guy benefited from some guys missing some, you know, blocking schemes or just, you know, not picking up the defenders or anything. But then as the game went on, he just kept doing it and doing it over and over again. I was like, all right, no, this guy is just good. It's not the offensive line. Zarion Hayes is just that good. He recorded four sacks in the game, Tad. He also had a bunch of tackles for loss. And just, yeah, he was a one-man wrecking crew in that game. I mean, seriously, you heard his name so many times on the broadcast. He comes out of Alabama A&M. And just, yeah, I think he's just showing, he showcased a lot of just pass rushing moves. So he wasn't just getting there with just a simple bull rush. He had a, like an arm under move. He had a swipe move. He also had a spin move at one point, too. So, I mean, like, he's got that wide array of pass rushing moves, which is surprisingly, you don't find that as common with a lot of these pass rushers coming out of bigger schools as well. We brought this up so many times on the podcast, which is like, he's a one trick pony. He needs to develop his arsenal. Zarion Hayes already has that. So now, if he just continues that refinement, maybe bolts up a little bit, not too much, because that's where his speed sort of comes into play for him as to why he's able to get around the, uh, the offensive lineman in this game here. So, over the course of his two year career at Alabama AM, he racked up 97 total tackles. 27 and a half tackles for loss and seven and a half sacks. So not the greatest numbers, but overall he made it big at the time where it counted the most, where everybody was watching this game on NFL network. So yeah, Zarion Hayes was just the other name that I want to bring up here. So dad, any more names that you want to bring up for the game here? Well, real quick, let's talk about Hayes th there sure. because yeah. I, it's, it's, I'm so glad you brought that up as his versatility of moves because I noticed that as well. And you know, our viewers and listeners are going to get, Get sick of me saying this over the next couple months is that is my biggest gripe on these you know big school defensive linemen where it's like oh my god this guy's I mean, this is, it's what i call vernon golston syndrome where it's like oh my god this guy's amazing is he actually or is he just stronger than everyone in college yeah, exactly exactly because if he's actually good Great, and trust me, as a Colts fan who's drafted a fucking thousand pass rushers in the last 10 years, I am well aware of, oh, this guy looks great, but he doesn't have any technique. It's all just like, oh, I'm stronger than the other guy, so I'm just going to bull rush him and then I'll be fine. Well, guess what? That doesn't work in the NFL. When you're going up against guys who are the same or even heavier than sure. you, and mm -hmm. you're not used to it, and then all of a sudden you're just like, ah, shit, maybe I should have learned the swim move. Yeah, maybe you should have. And I say this largely because I grew up as a Colts fan with Dwight Freeney. That is where Dwight Freeney made his living, was that deadly spin move. It was awesome. I love that thing. And because Dwight Freeney was undersized, he wasn't going to win via strength. And that is the same case with these guys. They are undersized, so you got to show me. Do you have the skill set? Do you have the technique to beat the other guy? And, you know, with Hayes... He does, because I noticed him as well. And by the way, I noticed like every defensive lineman in this game because, whoo, man, there were a lot of sacks in this game. There were. There were quite a few. There were, <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, so, no, I, th I like Hayes a lot. Uh, the final guy I'll bring up in this game, and this is, in my opinion, who should have been the MVP, is Brennan Brown, the tight end out of Howard. Howard is a good school, man. Hey, yeah. Go Bison. Go. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I was gonna ask you what their mascot was at yeah. the end of this. Damn it! I honestly thought it was the buffalo. 
Oh, yeah. No, it's the bison. No, whatever. Same difference. <laughs> but this is the crazy thing. So I, 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 I'm not going to be like, oh, well, I knew about him before I watched this. No, I never heard about this guy before I watched this game. But I watched him, and he made two very impressive plays. He One did, yeah. was <clears throat> a first down, I believe, in the first quarter, where it was kind of uh, sweep across the field. And he got the first down. I was like, oh. Okay, this guy's pretty good. And then one was in the fourth quarter, and I was like, okay, I love this guy. Where it was, I, I honestly, God, think it was the same play. When I watched it, I was trying to, you know, determine it, but I couldn't end up. So I think it was the same play. Can't say whether or not it was. But he was, he turned up field after a midfield, uh, uh, mid, you know, down catch at the five yard line. And he kind of turned up field and then a defender. I hate when cornerbacks do this so much went for, went low for his legs yeah. mm-hmm. and he hurled it over him yeah. for the first down. It was the second first down of the game. Yeah. It was awesome. And that was like, okay, yeah, he's in my pick. He's in my pick. I got him. Um, so I decided to look him up. Bird, do you know how tall Brendan Brown is? I think it was a six, five, if I remember correctly. Brendan Brown is 6'6". Six, 6'6", six. Six, six, that's what it was. was he is 6'6", six, six, 250. <laughs> and he runs like Hunter Henry. That man is a monster. That man is... Dra- He's not just a monster, but he is draftable. That's yeah. the biggest thing. Like, I saw him, I was like, that is athleticism I can work with. If I'm a GM or if I'm a coach. Okay? Yeah, his blocking abilities need a little bit of work because, like I said, oh my lord, there were so many sacks in this game. But his blocking abilities need work, but that man is a pure, talented... Again, I usually hate using this word, but he is the very definition of it. He is a raw talent. He just has the it factor. Brendan Brown does. Now... Here's the one concern with him is I did look up his college stats as well since I was on the Howard site already with uh, with Wheeler. Let's play your favorite game over under. Okay. In 32 career games, does Brown have over or under 20 career receptions? Under. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why I do this to you. It's exactly, it's exactly 20, 20 career. Yeah. <laughs> Part of me wanted to say that because you haven't done that in a while, but I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to go with the under. But yeah. So he has 20 receptions and six touchdowns, and he played, he was, he got viable playing time for about three years there. So something's going on where he wasn't like the full-time starter, but again, the raw talent, if you pair that up with the right coaching staff, look out. And you know, this is a very weird pick, but you know the, the team that kept popping up in my head? Because they have produced a lot of good tight ends the last couple of years when you really think about it. What if he goes to the Minnesota Vikings? It could happen. Could happen. Smith, G.J. Hawkinson, they tend to make tight ends look pretty good. Especially, think about it, like big... Okay, basically, this is my comparison for Brendan Brown. He is the sixth or seventh round version of whatever freakish Iowa tight end is going to go in the first, like, three rounds. <laughs> That's like, true. He's That's a freak true. athlete. We need to fix this game up a little bit, but once we do, this man's going to be a monster. Yeah, no, it's very fair. That's very fair. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other great prospects in this game as well. I mean, just, yeah, it was mainly defensive heavy, but yeah, those are just a few guys that we want to highlight for sure. All right, let's get to our next topic here. Uh, franchise tag deadline is happening on Tuesday, Tad. So uh, we've got some couple guys here that have already been tagged. 
We're going to highlight those guys. T. Higgins, the wide receiver in Cincinnati Bengals. He has been confirmed to get the franchise tag. He's going to be getting $21.816 million with that tag he's going to be playing on. Legereus Sneed, the defensive back with the Kansas City Chiefs. He has been officially tagged as well by the Kansas City Chiefs with a $19.8 million salary coming his way. He has been uh, seeking a trade. Like The team has given him permission to seek a trade, so we'll see how that goes as far as whether he'll remain a Chief or whether he'll be traded during this offseason. A uh, few guys that have been reported to possibly get the tag, but nothing has been confirmed yet. Uh, Brian Burns, the edge rusher for the Carolina Panthers, he is reported to be getting the tag as well. Uh, Justin Matabuke, the t defensive tackle with the Baltimore Ravens. All right, so I'm going to need you to say that one more time. Matt, Matt, Matabuke. Jason Satham, got it. <laughs> Uh, Antoine Whitfield Jr., the safety for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, is also reported to possibly get the tag as well. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with those three guys or anybody else. But, Tad, out of those names here, who do you think is more likely to get the tag? And then if you don't think any of them will get the tag, just what's another name that you could see as a possible tag candidate with all the other teams? Well, so I'm going to redirect that question a bit. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do the presidential candidate approach. Just like, let me answer your question by answering a totally different question. Let's talk about the tags that have been reported so far. Or yeah, confirmed. that's fair. Let's talk about those two, yeah. Because they're interesting to me. So with T. Higgins, you look at what the Bengals' other you know free agents are. They're DJ Reader, the defensive tackle, Tyler Boyd, the other receiver, obviously. Uh, uh, why did I do this to myself? Chidobe Awuzie. Chidobe Awuzie. Oh, son of a bitch! Is it really? Whoa, 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 whoa. Can we get back to San Jose? Are you sure? Yeah. Nope. Wait. What is it? Chitabe. Chitabe Awuzie. Are you sure? Yes. Damn it. Awuzie is a free agent. You didn't say that right. <laughs> what? Awuzie. <laughs> Let's keep it moving, though. Let's get I this going. I hate you so much. <laughs> Anyway, all those guys are free agents, and I know a lot of people are saying, well, why would you pay T. Higgins you know, $21 million to stay and let all those guys walk? Because chances are they're not going to re-sign any of those guys because they really only have enough free agency to sign one other big free agent, and all those guys are apparently asking for a lot of money riding the Bengals' success. I'm not saying that's a bad thing for those players. Uh, yeah, your team does well. You deserve to be paid off that. That's fair. I think this was a very smart move by the Bengals, and therefore, one, I did not think they were going to make. So, you know, why Well, why Higgins? We're going to lose Boyd. Uh, Higgins better than Boyd. That's why. That's true. That's true. That's why. Higgins stretches the field. Boyd is a short, you know, possession receiver. Boyd's replaceable. Reader's replaceable. Ouzier? There you go. You there you go. Second it. time's the charm. He's replaceable. I'm not saying they're replaceable immediately, but especially in this year's, I think you're going to see a lot of this with the franchise tags moving forward, is a lot of these players that are valuable. I'm not saying any of those guys are overrated. I'm not saying any of them are bad, but a lot of these guys that are valuable, this year's draft class is so deep. It's like, okay, we draft this guy in the second or third round. He's going to be DJ Reader uh, uh, in two or three years. And I think that's why you're going to see a lot of surprise walk-ons. And, uh, I mean, speaking of surprise walk-ons, let's talk about these next two guys, Legereus Sneed. I would love to have this conversation with you. So, like you mentioned, Legereus Sneed, uh, the Chiefs have reportedly, has it been confirmed yet, or is it still just reportedly? 
uh, reportedly giving him the tag, or has it been confirmed? They have given him the tag. But okay, yeah, so they have given him the tag, and yeah. reportedly they've said, hey, we're giving you the tag. We'd love to work something out, but if it doesn't work out, you're more than welcome to find a trade. Exactly, exactly. Why? <laughs> Why? I think you it's have exactly a... like you laid out. I think it's exactly like you laid out. I think we had a deep quarterback class here, so I think they could probably replace him. I know he was probably the defensive MVP for you in that Super Bowl, and let alone the entire season as well. But I mean, we talked about this on the podcast. That's like they did a very similar thing with one of their other premier quarters in Charverius Ward. They let him walk in free agency, even though like probably they should have re-signed him. But yeah, they were able to find another guy here. They still have another great quarter in Trent McDuffie as well that they can start That's obviously fair. need to, you know, switch to outside instead of the slot there so i mean they could really play and develop a lot of these guys too and especially like you know the the roster the cap magic i know we say it's sort of a myth here and they're able to find a way to sort of get things done but eventually it's going to come and haunt them a little bit and so i'm wondering if they're sort of trying to get ahead of that instead of being a situation like i don't know the new orleans saints every single year where they're like what 30 million over the talent cap every single season like maybe they're trying to do that as well so it's like yeah i could see why they're doing this but yeah it still does surprise me a little bit but also not so surprising that it's like they're going to destruction it's just so weird to me because you have a like it makes sense after you know it, it, it vaguely reminds me of the uh i always mispronounce his first name shocker uh Darrell, Darrell Revis. Darrell Revis actually got it right. Okay, there we go. Uh, Revis Island. It reminds me a lot of like what happened between him and the Jets, where the Jets knew he was washed, mm-hmm. and like that's why they let him walk. But that was also after they resigned him for about three years. They got a good solid like two or three years out of him after his breakout season, and that's what confuses me is Jerry seems only twenty seven, and here's why they're doing this with Snead is they want Chris Jones back. And they know they're going to have to pay Chris Jones. So they're prioritizing the 30-year-old defensive tackle. Thirty. I Before people yell at me, I know he's 29. He's turning 30 in the summer. I'm talking about next season. Is you're prioritizing 30-year-old defensive tackle over the 27-year-old shutdown corner. That's what doesn't make sense to me. You have three years of a shutdown corner with a also deep defensive tackle class compared to the 30-year-old defensive tackle who I will admit I'm not I'm not saying before also before people yell at me for this I am not saying that Chris Jones is about to have a bad year next year. I think Chris Jones has another two or three good years left in him. But that's the thing. Is you go for the defensive tackle that has another two or three good years or do you go for the corner who potentially has another good five years? left in him. So I think they are making the bad move here. I think that I, I honestly got it. My prediction is Legereus is on another roster by the time the season starts next year. That very well could happen. That very well could happen. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's surprising. But, yeah, once again, maybe they've done their homework and they feel a little bit better about the defensive back class compared to the defensive tackle class. I know there's a lot of guys at the top of the list for the defensive tackles, you know, but just maybe by the time they pick, they just feel like they won't get good value there. So maybe that's why they're pricing more defensive backs as opposed to defensive tackles. So that's why they're letting Steed walk and then they're going to recite Chris Jones. Maybe they're not going to recite either. I really have no that idea would be disaster, to do. That would be worst yeah. case scenario if they don't sign. That would be very interesting to see. But just, yeah, we'll see how it all plays out. But, yeah, it would surprise me at all if they decide to ship off Legereus to another team. Or, you know, just let him play on the tag and he'll sort of, like, you know, sort of use it as, like, you know what? You don't want to pay me? I'm going to play so fantastic this year that next year I'm really going to cash it in an offseason. So that That's very not well a bad approach. Uh, yeah. So the, the other one I wanted to talk about was Antoine Winfield. That one was fascinating. And for this reason, I don't care about Antoine Winfield. 
He's a fine safety. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. Tempeh, relax in the comments. He's good. But to me, the more interesting part of that was, uh, yeah, goodbye, Mike Evans. That, to me, that was, if you do not tag Mike Evans, he is gone. And here's why. It's because they are trying to re-sign Baker Mayfield. I'll touch on that in a bit. But Mike Evans is openly, well, I should say he has openly admitted, but there have been leaks, a.k.a. he told his agent to leak this, is he wants $25 million a year. And he is 100% deserving of that much money. That man is still one of the most productive old receivers I've seen since Larry Fitzgerald. And he absolutely deserves to go to a contender that can pay him that much. Will he, I've seen a lot of rumors through that. Mike Evans is the cheap. No, he's not going to the Chiefs. Get out of here. Now, Mike Evans is the Bears. That's a more interesting conversation. One we'll probably have in a couple weeks. But for now, I think that thumb tagging Winfield means that the Evans uh, and Tampa Bay marriage is over. I don't think they're going to, you know, dole out a whole lot of money to sign him because Tampa Bay is a very well-run organization and they recognize value where it is. I think they are going to divert most of their money toward re-signing Baker Mayfield because they realize all of a sudden if they don't get him back. They are in just as bad a shape as the Patriots, as the Commanders, and the Bears. What's the difference between those three teams and the Buccaneers? The Buccaneers aren't in the top 10 of the NFL draft. And so I think they are prioritizing signing Baker Mayfield. But I think there's a possibility. There's a possibility Mike Evans goes back to Tampa Bay. But a rumor as of today of recording just broke that apparently the New England Patriots are going hard after Baker Mayfield. So... If Baker Mayfield leaves the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that has the nail in the coffin for Mike Evans. Why the world would he ever go back to that team without Baker Mayfield? I think that they are in a very, very tough situation. It is a chess game for Tampa Bay in the next couple weeks. It is going to be so much fun to watch. Yeah, I know they sort of said that they're letting Mike Evans sort of explore free agency. It's not a done deal that he's not going to be coming back to Tampa Bay, but I think he just wants to sort of explore free agency, see what sort of other offers are out there. But just, yeah, there's a team that's willing to shell out, like you said, his, you know, a possibility of getting $25 billion a year. Um, it wouldn't shock me at all if he was just like, yeah, I'm going to go somewhere else, maybe go play with another contender and see if I could really make a deep run in the playoffs, possibly win another Super Bowl, just like he did during the Tom Brady era. So, yeah, it's going to be surprising, but yeah, I think just if they decide to tag it while Willfield, then yeah, it's a very good chance that Mike Evans is not going to be coming back. And yeah, chances of Baker Mayfield coming back too could be very slim as well if there's another lot of teams that are trying to go after him. So very interesting to see. Just a few other notes that I want to bring up here when it comes to the franchise tag here, Tad. Um, lots of running backs are not going to be tagged this year. So you got Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, and Tony Pollard have all been confirmed by their respective teams that they will not be tagged so they will all be hitting free agency um so i'm very curious to see how this whole running back situation is going to work out this year like we talked about i think out of the position groups in this year's draft class running back may be one of the ones that's like i wouldn't say it's weak but it's also not so strong compared to other dub uh, it's not so classes. strong but it's 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 not bad that's i think that's a mixed bag it's a lot more it's of a very mixed bag. as the kids would say it's very mid <laughs> and that's a crazy thing is it you know what it reminds me a lot of speaking of uh like you know one of the guys who by the way is a free agent in this year's class it's a bunch of deandre swifts where it's like no one's gonna make a long-term big impact but someone is gonna make a big 
time, like one year impact with one of these teams, because what also goes along with all of this of like the fact that there's so many running backs out there, there's all of a sudden we go from no one needing running backs to, you know, half the league needs running backs. Now it's going to be insane. Yeah, and just a very curious thing, too, is just that with a lot of these teams going by these committee approaches, it's like, yeah, some of these guys can get these shorter deals and be part of a committee, but just there's also that less opportunity for a uh, running back of these guys' caliber to sort of be that bell cow with the team now. It's just like, that's just sort of going far, and few teams are sort of going with that role. So, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how this all plays out because, yeah, if you're only looking for a running back to add to your committee, do you need to pay that much for some of these free agent running backs? I think this is exactly what the draft is then for, especially with with a very mixed bag just you're not sure exactly what you're going to get you just get a guy to be part of a committee doesn't need to be your lead back so i think that might be better suited for some of these teams so very interesting to see how this all plays out for sure but one guy i do want to bring up tad as far as like a possible cat uh, tag candidate it's a guy from your team and that's michael pittman jr so i mean there's a rumor out there that's like the colts do want to keep him they're trying to do everything in their power to do that but i don't know if they'll get a deal done by tuesday and so i think there's a good chance that he'll get the tag on tuesday to just extend that deadline to give the Colts a little bit more time to work on that long-term deal because I mean Tad me and you both saw this last year when Anthony Richardson was playing and he was healthy his chemistry with Michael Pittman Jr. was fantastic like you saw that he was going his way a lot of the time Michael Pittman Jr. obviously was looking as great as he was he put up career numbers in both receptions as well as receiving yards he had 1,152 receiving yards four touchdowns and 109 receptions last season I know a lot of that was with Gardner you but i mean during those times like i said when anthony richardson was under center this rapport was already there so do you definitely want to help your young quarterback develop further keep the guy that he was going to in the passing game so i 100 think michael pittman will probably be tagged if not reach a long-term deal by tuesday because they want that little bit more leeway to give him that long-term deal no, 100%. And, uh, you know, my disaster scenario, uh, yeah, I almost said this time, but about a month from now, uh, this time last year was, dear God, we just drafted Anthony Richardson. Uh, Michael Pittman's stats are going to tank. He's not going to want anything to do with us. We just screwed our entire offense. And lo and behold, now I'm a big, big Anthony Richardson believer. If he can yeah. stay healthy, uh, that man has proved me wrong. I have no shame in saying that. And uh, Michael Pittman, from all reports I've read, have been uh it's it has been a very cordial mm-hmm. um you know kind of negotiation of exactly like what you said just like it's kind of like um oh god this happened last off season with someone what, what i i know this was the last last off last off season dear god but uh t- shut up two years ago it was uh with dak prescott where it was like you know what just franchise tag me just so we can extend it and we can just keep all this free agency bullshit out of the news and then like you know come august we'll agree to something that's what this seems like it's a very cordial mutual thing of like i want to be back you want me back franchise tag me then we'll figure something out and uh that was absolute best case scenario and so i'm very happy i would be shocked if michael pittman left the uh, colts and very depressed Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's probably going to figure out something there to work, work a long-term deal with the Colts. But yeah, in the short term, I do uh, think they'll probably go in the tag by Tuesday for sure yeah. to make sure they can work on that deal for sure. So, all right. So that's a little bit about the franchise tag update as far as what's going on here. We'll probably get a lot more news as the weekend comes to a close. We get closer to that deadline on Tuesday as far as some other guys that may get tagged. Uh, but Tad, let's sort of close this out because we're about a couple weeks away from free agency. 
And, you know, obviously, as of right now, we're the draft guys. But, I mean, during the season, we're, of course, the fantasy guys. So I definitely want to get your pick as far as who's a really good free agent fantasy fit like i mean who's a guy that you think if he signs in free agency with a team that he'll just be an absolute fantasy find for your fantasy football team next season fantasy <laughs> just because we're in draft season doesn't mean you have to give up no no no, no 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 once the season was done we were done with fans do not pull me back in this lake <laughs> <laughs> you are not to. doing a deep blue sea. You was a deep blue sea where Samuel L. Jackson gets pulled back in the white. Don't don't you dive out of that white. You're pulling me back in. Yes, yes. I refuse. We got to do it. We I refuse. Do it. I refuse. All right, then I'll give my pick. Here. No, fuck you. No, I'm I'm giving my pick. Fine, fine. Okay, compromise, compromise. All right, you ready? I will give you one interesting fantasy pick. If I can give two good defensive free agency fits. As long as you're quick about it. Okay. Are you requesting Movie Speed, Tad? I have yet to see Movie Speed, Tad, but yes. <clears throat> movie Fight Speed, Tad. I forgot to leave out that <laughs> word. All right. Anyway. All right. You want the fancy one first or the defensive ones first? Let's do the fancy one because that was the whole point of this topic here. <clears throat> So, like you said, as the fantasy landscape is completely changing with this enormous change of running backs across the league, there is a ton of running back fits that is very interesting for everyone. I almost went with Derrick Henry to the Eagles. That's right, not to the Ravens, as is the most popular prediction by a certain someone, but to the <laughs> Eagles. Now, I thought about that a little bit. I don't think Derrick Henry is quite the dual threat that he could be, or that the Eagles need him to be, so I don't like that fit as much as I do like him with the Ravens. He is definitely a better fit with Baltimore than he is in Philadelphia. So I really thought who is the best fit with a potential new team needing a running back and then it hit me. Who is a uh, free agent running back? Tony Pollard. Who is also a free agent running back? Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs signing with the Dallas Cowboys as a replacement to Tony Pollard. What was Tony Pollard's main problem? Was that he was not as physical as Ezekiel Elliott and therefore that whole offensive scheme kind of fell apart because they couldn't really like, uh, uh, oh, I was doing so well. They couldn't do the run game the same way they did under Ezekiel Elliott with that kind of physical type of running inside the guards, the A gap, the B gap, that type of approach. They couldn't do that with Tony Pollard on an every down scheme. That's what made Tony Pollard so good is that he was a change of pace back. He's not an every down back. Josh Jacobs is an every down back when in the right system. He's already proven that. So Josh Jacobs with the Dallas Cowboys is an A-plus fit as much as I hate to say it. I think if Josh Jacobs signs with the Dallas Cowboys, which is a very real possibility, it's a big name that Jerry Jones loves. People in Dallas are going to love it because, my God, do they hate Pollard down here right now. It's it's a win-win for both sides. That would be a fantasy goldmine, in my opinion. All right, my two defensive guys real quick. Are, oh, man, my two not-fantasy guys. I have one defensive guy. I ruined the joke. Okay. My one <laughs> non-fantasy offensive guy is Tyron Smith to the Chiefs. Yeah. Okay. I like that pick. Like you that have pick. one of the best tackles of our generation. And I really do mean that. That guy is a first battle Hall of Famer. He is so good. But unfortunately, he's been dealing with injuries recently. Although he is coming off a relatively healthy year. So props to him. But I, the Cowboys don't want to pay him. I think he's going to move on. I think he's going to 
be willing to take a pay cut for the ring. He has yet to win a Super Bowl ring in his career. I think he will go there. But think about it this way, to put it in terms of fantasy, Zaya Pacheco's uh, you know, fantasy value soars up. And they signed Tyron Smith. Tyron Smith, Joe Tooney, Trey Smith, uh, Creed Humphrey. Who's the other tackle? I don't know. Donovan Smith, I think, is the other tackle. Yeah, the right, right tackle is yeah, Donovan, Donovan Smith. Yeah. Dude, that I that's the best offensive line in football. So that would be very interesting. I think Tyron Smith to the Chiefs. And uh, all right, extra bonus pick for you. It's not quite free agency, but it's offseason. Amir. Breaking news, we just had a trade. Legereus Sneed <laughs> is traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a second round pick. Uh, no, of course. A third round pick. And Blake Freeland. Okay. Okay. We address our cornerback need. And then we either take the best pass rusher or the best receiver who is available in the first round of this year's draft. It's the best of both worlds. And the Chiefs get the offensive line depth they need. Oh, yeah. Real great move. Who says no? Real great move. Make your offensive line that much worse and get Anthony Richardson hurt again. Like, I mean, yeah, that's a fantastic move. He's going to get hurt anyways. He's got to get. It's just, yeah, it's fine. Please still give him a better insurance policy instead of trading one of your promising offensive linemen. Blake Freeland. No, 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 you're right. Blake Freeland was really the anchor of that offensive line. I don't think he was the anchor, but I think he could have been developed a little bit better. But just like, why are you taking away from a position of weakness and making it worse? Because we can get Legereus Sneed. Next, yeah. Josh Dorman. Okay, sure, sure. But okay, inter- interesting trade move. I I don't think it'll happen. But okay. Colts defense number one in fantasy next year. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah, you're really drinking the Kool Aid of Book that it. one for sure. Book it. Um. All right. So I'm gonna get to buy two picks here for free agents. Uh, free agency best fits here. Um. This one's already been in the deal, so I, that's why I gave another pick as well. But just Saquon signing with the Texans. So I feel like that's written in the books at this point. I don't know if you saw the rumors out there, but apparently Saquon Barkley has been in talks with CJ Stroud about possibly linking up in Houston to pair up there. Um, both Devin Singletary and Dari Agumbawale, their running backs on their roster right now, are both going to be free agents. The only raw running back on their active roster right now is going to be Damian Pierce, so they definitely are going to address the running back position. I don't know if they'll be through free agency. Maybe they'll do it through the draft, but like we talked about, this running back draft class is probably not the strongest if you're looking for a very strong lead running back, or at least a 1A a to a 1B in Damian Pierce now. So I think they go with that sort of option here in free agency. They spend a little bit of money, get CJ Stroud, a guy that can sort of amp up that offense just that much more in Saquon Barkley. I mean, we saw some good running lanes for Devin Singletary. He had a resurgent season after sort of being undermined and sort of just, you know, falling through the wayside in Buffalo, going to Houston now. He was able to sort of uh, really, really reassess himself and become that guy that we saw while he's coming out of the draft. And just now he's hitting free agency. Who knows if he'll come back but just yeah Saquon Barkley with all those running lanes that he stayed was able to bring, bring up for Devin Singletary dangerous for you my friend this is going to need as a pass quarter but like yeah good luck stopping him at the run defense <laughs> that does happen there but just yeah that would be a very good addition and then obviously like we talked about then they get addressed the receivers I know they want to add to that receiver room that's where they go in the draft I brought this up on the podcast before but they're picking up at the end of the first or at the end of the second they get end up with guys like you know Troy Franklin out of Oregon Keon Coleman out of Florida State Adani Mitchell out of Texas Malachi Corley who you brought up on our last episode out of Western Kentucky. So he would look great at that offense. And then also, I think that second tight end in this year's draft class, Jatavion Sanders, stays oh. in Texas. 
and he goes to Houston. I mean, that would be a great fit because Dalton Schultz is a free agent, so they need a bit of a help there at the tight end position as well. So that would be a great addition. But I think they go address the receiver position in the draft and they sign a guy through free agency at the running back position. So Saquon Barkley with Texas, that would be a fantastic fit. Excellent fantasy find for 2024. And then the last one here is a little bit more underrated. I don't think he's going to be such a big name, but I think with the need that this team has at this position, I think he'll become a sort of like, you know, a guy that you could depend on as the season goes along. And as the Cincinnati Bengals, they'll sign Jonu Smith, the tight end currently with the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, don't do the Bengals tight end trap again. I think I I have to do it. You're doing it again. You fell for Irv Smith last year. That is true. I did fall for the Irv Smith thing last year, but that's why I'm saying it's not going to be a huge signing. Like, it's not going to be a Saquon Barkley to Texas type of signing, but it is going to be a dependable signing that I think could chip in a good solid amount of points each and every week. Because here's the crazy thing, Tad. Every single tight end on the Cincinnati Bengals active roster is a free agent. So, oh, dear God. Irv Smith, Drew Sample, Ooh. Mitchell Wilcox, and oh, Tanner God. Hudson are oh. all free agents this year. So, I don't know whether those guys are going to come back. Maybe a couple of those guys come back. Do but you even want them back? But that's the thing, too. Do you want any of these guys to come back to be the lead position player at the tight end position for you? I don't know if I would. I think I want to go in a different direction. The free agents in class, the free agent class for the tight end position is not all that great. You got some big names at the top, like maybe Hunter Henry, Mike Jasicki. You got Jonu Smith here. Uh, but outside of that, yeah, you're going to be sort of grasping at straws. Maybe you want to address the draft, but that's a little bit questionable, too. I was about to say, this class, is so, a bad year to need a tight end. That is the yeah, weakest. So I, I would argue that is the weakest uh, position group of this year. Is I, 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 There's not a tight end this year that I'm really in love with. Brock Bowers, yeah. but I mean, outside I mean, of Brock Bowers yeah. and Jatavian Sanders, it's like outside of that, it's like, yeah, you got guys with some potential, but just like, yeah, not that proven guy that's like, you know, you're not going to get a Sam Laporta in this year's draft outside nope. of those top two guys. So I think that's the big tier. So I think they go with John New Smith, who actually had his best career game, but best career season, excuse me, with the Atlanta Falcons, obviously with them not using Kyle Pitts at all. They ended up using John New Smith a little bit more. He set a career high in receptions and receiving yards with the Falcons last season. Obviously, I think with the addition of of uh, Raheem Morris to that club, that coaching staff. I think they want to go a different direction. Use the playmakers that they actually have on the team instead of going with this weird, you know, backups that actually look better than the starter sort of thing. So I think Kyle Pitts will get a lot more play in Atlanta compared to Jonu Smith. So I don't doubt that he's going to be looking for a new home. You look at Cincinnati, you look at the hole that they have. I think he could be a dependable option for them. And also remember... Jonathan Smith's also a very good blocker as well. So you also have to look into the fact that Joe Mixon's fantasy stock could see a little bit of a rise as well, being the running back for the Cincinnati Bengals. So Jonathan Smith could be one of those underrated signings that actually could be very beneficial when it comes to fantasy football next season. He's 50. <laughs> He's actually 28. He's actually 28. What? No, get out of here. You're talking about Jonathan Smith, right? Yeah. Yeah, he is 28. Oh my good God. Could be 29, like as the season begins, but yeah. I know I look I looked that one up. I looked that up. Still, he's 50. <laughs> Plus, he also thrown to the fact that Tyler Boyd is gonna be leaving a free agency most likely the receiver point. position. So it's like, yeah, they need a little bit of receiving threat as well. So another boost there for John Smith. So um, yeah, I think those are some good fits there. Mike and yeah. in Indianapolis. <laughs> Could happen, could happen. I highly doubt it, but maybe it could happen. But all right, Chad, so that will close out some of the topics that we want to get in today. And that was our edition of NFL Quickets. 
All right, so that will come close to our episode here today. We had a lot of fun jumping into a lot of different topics here, covering a lot of different things. As we started talking about at the beginning of the episode, with the combine going to be over at the end of this weekend, we'll come back to you at the beginning of next week with a combine recap, give you our thoughts and our reactions to everything that happened over the weekend. What are our thoughts as far as who helped their stock, who hurt their stock, who's going to need a very impressive pro day to really just shoot themselves up even further if they had a very impressive combine, or who had a bad combine and who really needs to have a good pro date to really just sort of cement themselves as being a very viable draft prospect. But guys, the best way to find out about when that ha- episode is happening and other stuff that you want us to talk about in the episode, hit us up on our social media handles. You got us on Twitter. You got me at on the side 23. You got Ted at Ted side 94. Got the show handle at the decide guys. And of course on Instagram at the decide guys as well. So guys, Please hit us up. We'd love to hear your reactions about what are you thinking about when you're watching the combine? You know, who do you think, you know, is really going to help their stock after, you know, Saturday? Like I said, as of recording, it is Friday, but who's going to have a really good Saturday performance with those big positions, the quarterbacks, the running backs, and the receivers? So who's going to really showcase the skills during that day? So we'd love your instant reactions as you're watching the combine. Uh, but to anything else that's draft related, non draft related, fantasy football, uh, non football related too, like we will give you some answers to other stuff as well we got baseball season going around the corner me and tad are very big on baseball as well and of course the nba playoffs are right around the corner as well so guys hit us up with anything we'd love to hear from you if you're listening to the podcast please subscribe so wherever you listen to your podcast hit the subscribe button and if you're watching us on youtube please subscribe to our youtube channel as well and guys please, please, please make sure you're supporting our parent network at LAFB Network. They're giving you a lot of great content when it comes to the Chargers and the Rams at the professional level and the Bruins and the Trojans at the college level. They're giving you a lot of great content with the draft around the corner. They're talking about combine guys. They're talking about, you know, the Chargers picking at number five, Jim Harbaugh. There's a lot of interesting stuff there. Obviously, we got the UCLA Bruins with the new head coach and, uh, and Eric Bieniemy going from Washington Commanders to now the UCLA Bruins as their offensive coordinator. So lots of great content coming from our guys at LFA Network, so go give them a follow. Go get them a read on the website. Just support them any way they can, because without them, there would be no us. And guys, to everybody who's already supporting us with, you know, interactions on social media, who's listening to the podcast, who's watching the videos, I mean, just anything and everything that you're doing to support the podcast, we can't thank you enough. And like Emer said, like, we are here for you guys. If you are not sure what to do, we're a bunch of nerds. So we break down the information for you. I was just like you guys once where it was just like a three-cone drill. What the hell is that? Exactly. It was like a three-seven-two, three-cone. Is that good or bad? I don't know. Apparently, my team likes this guy. Should I be happy or no? Yeah. Like, we are there for you. We will tell you. Yeah, no, that's a good fit. You should be happy. Or, you know. Yeah, no, it's not great. And, you know, hopefully not send you in downward depression and hoping to God your injury pro quarterback will be hurt come October. Anyway, point being is we are here for you to break down any results you want us to from the NFL combine. So any, you know, numbers that you quite don't understand, any rumors that you've heard, the Caleb Williams, I just, we addressed this earlier in the company Slack of like Caleb Williams is not doing the medical checks. What's going on with that? I have two awesome theories for that. I was hoping we could touch on tonight, but it makes sense why we couldn't. But if you want to hear our opinions on stuff like that, we're all years, even when the show's not going off, we are checking social media and YouTube comments constantly. So be sure to interact with us. There's nothing we love more than interact with our fans because like Immerse said, without you guys, there's no us. So keep interacting with us, especially, uh, and shout out to Jason Davis, by the way, who texted me at like, 
1030 at night being like, who's a good sleeper for this year's draft. I'm like, really? You're doing this now. <laughs> and by the way, I did say Malachi Corley. I was like, I don't care who he goes to. That guy's going to be good. Um, so, but I responded to him about 1130 at night. So clearly we are constantly checking all of our channels because we care about you guys. We want you guys to have the best info. So send us any ideas you have for the off season, for the draft move forward. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. And please, as always, everyone stay safe.